Welcome to the Midcast, presented by the Mission Initiative Group of the Baptist Union of Scotland. Each month we will look at some of the key issues for mission in Scotland today. We'll bring you experienced voices, practical insights and unique stories, all focused on the mission of the church in Scotland. Welcome along to the Midcast. My name's Glenn Innes, it's great to have you here. We are... Uh, sitting in a room in a hotel in Perth and uh, I have with me four uh, very interesting young men. Um, one of them is very definitely not as young as the others, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll come to that in a minute. This is a bit of an impromptu midcast. Uh, uh, we were at Baptist Union Council and we were joined by uh, some of the folks on the training programme this year and I thought it would be a great chance for us to ask them some questions about about the training programme, but much more about what it is to live as a young person, uh, as a Christian in Scotland today, and to investigate some of the missional challenges that they might face. So, uh, I'm going to have them introduce themselves. So, uh, who do we have over here? Sam Donaghy from Kirk and Tilk, just outside Glasgow. Brilliant. Uh, Dan, I'm a trainee at Hillview Community Church in Aberdeen. I'm Ali, and I'm from Campus Lang. And you are not young. <laughs> oh, I was loving the fact you called me young. I'm not young. I'm not as young as these guys. Um, I'm Sam, part of Sherrickstown Baptist in Aberdeen. Brilliant. Guys, welcome. Thanks so much for being willing to do this. And uh, hopefully this will be helpful for everyone involved. Let me just kick off, throw a question out there. Um, you are all millennials or Gen Zs. You're all, <laughs> what, 25 and under? Just. Uh, just. Just. <laughs> uh, and I, we are accepting Ali from this conversation. <laughs> uh, Ali is not 25 and under. All by one, yeah. um, but you're all of that age group, and an age group that isn't terribly well represented in all sorts of churches across our nation. And I think a lot of people have kind of given up hope in some sense of being able to reach your generation. Uh, so, how do you reach your friends? What are the ways that you find that you can connect the gospel to? people of your own age group? I think what I learned probably most at university um, through being involved in like CUs and stuff where the whole goal is to kind of reach the campus with the gospel um, was that folk were most receptive to hearing about Jesus when you were good friends with them mm. and you would just as happily have them at an event as you would go to the pub with them yeah. after you had something. Yeah. Um, like folk can kind of see through just an invite mm. so that they would tick a number or so that they're like a project person, mm. but they want authentic friendships. Uh, and people like, I'd say probably our generation, they're quite willing to think about things. Mm-hmm. They're quite willing to, I don't know, look at these big questions. They're probably not very willing to accept somebody else's view as correct, but they're willing to at least entertain the ideas. Mm-hmm. And so just building friendships, and then folk were generally keen to to have those good conversations, I found. I, found. Yeah. I think... How I see it is like waiting so it's over and actually being like, oh, come to a pizza night and then we slam you with the gospel <laughs> when you think you're just getting pizza. Yeah. But actually you're getting told you're a dirty sinner and you have to repent. It's over, even though people are still doing that. Pe- yeah. There's still mm-hmm. people who are working with that kind of 16 to 25 stage and they're still doing that bait and switch stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason that's still working is because a lot of people 16 to 19 especially don't have any previous relationship with the church so they actually don't have any of the 
bad um, misconceptions and actually correct conceptions of the church that are negative that maybe people of 25 and older do have um, and so actually you hear of like tri church like fusion do where there's like a bunch of churches get together at student fairs uh, and they invite people to church and they come for the first time in their life 18, 19 years old and become Christians within weeks so they're a blank, a blank slate, in yeah. a sense. Yeah, I think the you said authentic friendships. I think that's mm. quite key because, you know, quite a theme of our generation is that, yeah, we are very connected and online and on social media, but there's not maybe as much depth of connection, like true belonging. So I think giving people that sense of belonging through authentic like friendship with them I think is really key so and, and almost kind of busting that traditional view of church that church it, it doesn't have to be necessarily held in a mm. fancy big building but mm. can be done in your home you know mm. by having a bunch of mates around and making sure there's maybe a few other Christians there that can mm-hmm. bring the conversation in you know I think mm. that Great. makes it real yeah. and authentic and gives that sense of connection yeah, Great. yeah I, heard, I read something just this week about Gen Zers being the, the most connected and yet most disconnected mm. uh, generation that we've ever had because you've got all that digital connection and you're all completely native mm. on on digital platforms, and yet there's this epidemic of loneliness mm-hmm. and uh, mental health problems and all that goes along with that sense of being completely disconnected. So what I hear you saying is that actually the church and Christians have a pl- part to play. And actually coming into that cultural space yeah. mm-hmm. with, a, with an, a, a behaving in an authentic manner is mm. actually the key to even entering that space. Mm. I think the thing is, it has to be relationship for relationship's sake and not relationship for evangelism's, evangelism's sake. Yeah. And there's a, I can't remember the dude's name, I think it's Andrew Root maybe, I can't remember. And he said that actually for ages the, the strategy within youth ministry especially was that like creating relationships with young people was a means to an end yeah. but actually Jesus way was never relationship as a means to an end the relationship was the end in and of itself mm-hmm. and actually as we are in relationship with people Jesus is there because Jesus is incarnate in us he's living in us through the spirit of God so when we're in relationship with someone it's not then that we are the means to the end and the end being taking them to Jesus it's that actually they'll experience something of the living Christ in their relationship yeah. with them. Yeah. I think the other thing I've found actually is in the past three years I've prayed more for my friends, like literally prayed with them more in the past three years that I have in the past twelve years that I've been a Christian. So talk about that. So are you is that because you've offered to pray with them or they've asked for prayer? Both. Okay. So um I've had friends like text me saying so like now they're like twenty four and like one of them was like buying a house and was like, oh, well, you pray for the house, like, that I get this house. But they don't believe in God. <laughs> so it's a bit like, they know that actually that's probably, in my belief system, the best thing I can offer them. Mm-hmm. But in their belief system, it means nothing. But yet there's still something in them that wants that connection and actually feels that need for the interference in their life from that from a God. Brilliant. Good. All right. So if that's how you reach your friends, let's rewind a little bit and talk about you guys and 
your own lives and your own walk with Jesus. What what would you say is the biggest challenge of being your kind of age and being a Christian in our current culture? Ali, do you have any thoughts yeah. on this as someone who works with a lot of folks this age? So you've got a bit of an external perspective on it. I do have an external perspective. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Like, so rephrase the question a wee bit there. So, what's the biggest blockages? No, the biggest challenges that, biggest challenges. that young folk face following Jesus in our current culture. I, I think distraction and busyness mm. are huge. I know, I know they're like, sound, I just sound like an old person having a go, but I think it's actually huge. Mm. But I, I think there's a, a term that I'm not that keen on, but it's beginning to kick about a digital Sabbath. And it's not necessarily just hanging around churches, it's hanging around wider sphere as well. The idea of getting away from all that connectivity to find yourself. And I think actually there's a a danger that we've actually, we do have a generation that are, we mentioned it earlier, they're disconnected from themselves and the idea of just sitting in silence. But I can remember last year sitting for a long time with a young guy who was 18 and he he literally couldn't walk 50 yards without putting his headphones in because he had to listen to something. Mm. He had to be engaging with the external circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He couldn't just be. Mm-hmm. Silence, stillness, mm. these monastic old school kind of principles and, yeah. and, and, and values and whatever. I think busyness and too much connectivity mm. are challenges. Mm. There's loads of other ones, but yeah. Other, yeah. But on that, like I read something the other day and it's like, we're in a world where we're kind of like overloaded by information, but we're starving for wisdom. Uh, yeah. And I think that's <laughs> definitely what I experience yeah. is you've got all this incoming, yeah. but it's like, you know, what voices do I trust? What is the right thing to believe in? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what do I cling to with all mm-hmm. this incoming, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, I think, yeah, our, I think a lot of folk in our generation are starving for wisdom on how to mm. lead and live their lives yeah. for the better, you know? Yeah. I think coming off of Ali's point, it was something, I can't remember the name of the book, but it was a book about like Franciscan spirituality, like the way the Franciscan monks, and it was like the best-selling book of last year. And it was like on the Amazon bestseller list, New York bestseller list, like, and actually that tells you something. Like about the, about the, the lay of the land, and that's what people are looking for. They're looking mm. for the ancient rhythms of of connect of community and and prayer and that kind of transcendent thing of a relationship with God. I think one thing that's huge um, is pornography, and and I'm not just talking about it from like a, a sexual point of view, mm-hmm. but the damage that it does to your brain, your the creative function of your brain, the way that you relate with people, the way that you process stress and manage stress and a whole other function of emotions, it totally and utterly um, perverts your, um, well, how you're made in the image of God, and it actually goes far more to the brain than, than, than anything else. The whole sexual side and over-sexualised thing is actually only symptomatic of a bigger thing. And would you see that as a massive challenge? Like, I, I suspect most people listening to this will already know this, but your your generation, male and female, has been mm. saturated with this stuff, mm. right? From 
ridiculously young ages. So yeah. you're not just talking about one or two people who are having mm. a challenge with this. Mm. It's, it's ubiquitous. It's mm. everywhere, right? Yeah, and it crosses the gender uh-uh. Massively. barrier as well. And I think, so like last week I was talking about it with a pal who was like, I need, I need to take Instagram off my phone. And I was like, oh, why? And he's like, well, like, you just go on to the discovery bit of Instagram, which is like, um, shows you posts that you might like. Yeah. And it, there's naked women there. Yeah. And it's like, or even women in bikinis. And suddenly, if you're trying to get off of looking at images of naked men and naked women, but you've got teaser photos that are continually at you, mm-hmm. that's the issue, really, more than the full frontal pornography. It's actually the least stuff. And the intentionality of the companies behind that and the yes. programming behind that that recognise you're yeah. a, a male of a certain age and profile yeah. and they probably from your information know you you know <coughs> what you're attracted to and yeah. so they can filter that in. Yeah, mm. yeah, totally. And I, I mean, I, I was listening to a thing today so talk about how we've all been commoditized. Like, mm. our information that is collected by Google and Instagram and Facebook and on and on is actually commoditized. People buy it. Right? They want to know what we're doing. So yeah. the, the story goes that mo- for something like 80% <coughs> of women, Google knows they're pregnant before their mother does <coughs> because because of what, what they've searched and what they've picked up from yeah. what they can pick up on their phones and stuff like that. So so the whole digital effect, but the pornography one's really interesting. For anyone who's listening for whom pornography is a significant issue and you want help, let me point you towards a project called the Naked Truth Project, mm-hmm. uh, which is just about to have a Scottish arm as well, so we'll soon be able to talk to the person who's heading up the Scottish work. But, She's um, here. It's Bethany. She's landed. Yeah, no, yeah she has landed. So... so it will be Bethany McDonald, and That's she right. is uh, on uh, work doing that just now. But if you look up the nakedtruthproject.com, you'll get some information and resources mm-hmm. there. And mm-hmm. um, we're going to have Bethany on the Midcats to talk about this issue because we know that it is a significant mm-hmm. issue missionally as well, just in terms of how mm-hmm. people are living their lives. So thanks so much for bringing that up because I think it is a, mm-hmm. such a really critical yeah. uh, issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Uh, Another big challenge, kind of, which has kind of roots uh, or similarities to pornography, and also just kind of being overloaded with information, is just how easy it is um, when growing up to just have anything you want, basically. Ooh. Like Jesus' call to deny yourself is like the most unpopular <clears throat> thing you could have today. Yeah. Because you go, well, you have a phone, you go on the internet, you can order anything, you can watch anything, you can see anything, you can do anything, um, and life outside of the Christian life just seems so much easier. You can just do whatever you want. There aren't really rules. Everything is right there. And the idea of going to church, of you know, trying to become more like Jesus, of being sanctified, of denying yourself, it just seems mm. quite pointless, really. Mm. Uh, Unpopular. Yeah. Mm. Do, do you think a, a challenge, sorry, Glenn, it's just okay, a challenge is actually that idea, the, the grace element, is so alien mm. because everything's about self-improvement and so mm. I, I observe with younger folk particularly like I've never seen so many young folk they drink protein shakes they're really conscious about what they eat and drink they're far healthier than we are they're far for they're moving towards mindfulness <coughs> in a way that we never did I do, do, all that kind of stuff <laughs> but it's all it's all kind of based on they can do that and they're mastering themselves <coughs> and their self-control yeah. in that which is yeah. admirable but I th- 
I wonder if that's a challenge and a barrier to the whole concept of grace and yeah. someone else having sorted it for you. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I, I, I was going to reflect a little on what Dan said. I think it will come back to what yeah. you said, Ali. So, Dan, you're saying there that one of the challenges is because you can have everything, this whole notion of the Christian life as taking up your cross and following mm. Jesus or denying yourself or um, that actually we need to frame the gospel in the right way for that for, for your generation then. so actually we, we need to paint a picture of the good life uh, that, that is offered in Jesus so it's not just John 10 10 you know it's the he came to give us life and life and all its abundance you're like well I but what does that mean like what does that look like and for a generation who has everything they've ever wanted and has everything at their fingertips we need to think carefully about how we talk about that mm -hmm. because on the one hand it could just become like we're saying the same, same message as culture you can have whatever you want yeah. your good life is you know Jesus came and gave you everything yeah. you wanted mm -hmm. but actually there is that deeply self-sacrificial thing that people will have to grasp mm -hmm. if they want to follow Jesus effectively for for a long time but there is a greater sense of like, I totally agree with you, Dad, in terms of that whole thing. It's like, if you want it, you can get it. But there is a greater sense amongst younger people that actually our, our individual actions and notions have a greater effect on the corporate human body. So, like, Greta mm. Thunberg, for example, 16, 17 years old, she gets the environmental um, implications of our huge like western consumption and industrialism and all that more than 50 60 year olds might get it yeah. and actually she's so passionate about it and actually you look at most of the stuff that's coming from like less waste and 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 wanting to get rid of like plastic and stuff like that it's mostly coming from people who are under the age of 30 and 40 mm -hmm. and actually there is a thing of actually we can get whatever we want but i think there's there's a there's a hunger that's been stirred up and an awareness that's been stirred up around actually I'm more than just myself that actually I am kind of my brother's keeper can, can I ask you about that because I, I was listening is it John Mark Comer yeah. is that yeah. the boy yeah yeah and he, he he was doing a wee bit on community I, I picked up a podcast he was doing which was really interesting he talked about of course the culture that Jesus was ministering and he used the, the anthropomolish anthropological well done kind of, <laughs> well done that's not, that's, not, that's not easy. <laughs> the idea of weak and strong communities or weak and strong groups and how we are a very, in the West, predominantly weak group, i.e. we're very individualism, individualistically focused. And um, I'm like this at the best of times. Um, individualistically focused and, and rampant individualism being at the root Aye. of most of what we're talking about Aye. here. Mm. Whereas in more Eastern, and in Jesus' time, it would have been Middle Eastern kind of cultures. Of course, it was the group. And you did what was best for the group, not what mm. was best for the individual. Or the individual played second fiddle to the group. Aye. Now, obviously, that could be hugely oppressive and crushing in some aspects. Aye. But maybe we need to get back to more of that kind of understanding. And that being the Bible, when the Bible is talking about church, maybe more of that kind of understanding how groups are being. We're not just individuals. We're actually part of a family. And how our roles function mm. within that. Is that similar yeah. to what you think is emerging yeah. in your yeah. in that? Yeah. I just noticed a, a trend of how actually some of the some of the big movements calling for social change that we're talking about are coming from like sixteen to thirty five year olds. Mm -hmm. 
and they're being started by that kind of age group, and yeah. they're not being started by people who are brought up in the, dare I say it, the Thatcher era, the Reagan era, of where it was about the individual, it was about the self and the promotion of the self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I guess as well that you know, that one of the things that. I guess the stereotypical trope that says, you know, you guys are digitally connected, you're humanly disconnected. But one of the, the kind of more positive things that I, I wondered if was tied to this is that that your generation supposedly has a deep commitment to justice. Mm. Um, that That's one of the markers of it. Mm. Uh, is that something you see as true? Because I, I guess my question is, I, I, I'm not sure I see that as true. Like, I, I read it, but I'm like, okay, so how, how is that true? Is that something you would see? I think it's probably something you would see as you scroll through social media and you see the outspoken people say things. Mm. But when you're in the pub with your friends, I don't think it would ever be any of their main concerns that would really come up. Mm. Like, it's just the noisiest people, I think, would have big concerns about justice. Okay. But the average person, probably less so. And a load of slacktivism kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I I don't know. I think it's a bit more nuanced than that. Okay. I, I think. I I think there is a there is a slacktivism thing, but at the same time, like I brought her up before, but good old Greta. Do you know what I mean? Like she's she's mobilised millions of young people mm-hmm. to skip school and to, to campaign for change in climate. I can't remember the, the woman's name, the girl's name in um, America, but she was um, she was in the school in Florida last year where there was the, the massacre of like 17 people or so. I tried to look up her Parkland name. Parkland yeah. is the school. Yeah. And she and a few classmates have mobilised a whole movement yeah. of young people. That they had tens of thousands of people marching on Washington DC calling for gun reform. Uh, March for our lives, I think it's called. And they are 16, 17. Greta Thunberg is 17. Like, sorry, Ali. No, no, I'm just, I had a fascinating conversation with Joshua, who's six and a half on the way home from school yesterday. He'd watched Newsround (laughs) in his primary two classroom, and it was about animals being mistreated. And he came home and he walked up the stairs and he said, Dad, I'm going to sell all my old toys and we're going to give the money to help the animals that are being mistreated. Now, inside, I, I had to stop myself because I wanted to say, what about the people? We need to stop the people. We need to do that. And I didn't. And I'm really glad that because it's not that people don't matter. Actually, I found it fascinating yeah. that there was a young boy that actually had grasped hold of some kind of justice yeah. issue. could see how he could do that at six years of yeah. age. But I do find it interesting that they do seem to almost go for the environmental or the animal or the the depersonalised. Mm. I don't know if that's a thing. I don't. I'm, I might be reading far too much into that. Yeah. I mean, I I, do to, see to, that to pitch in, I I think it's because that is for for Gen Z. So Gen Z born late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. So people who are in their teens and twenties now um, are in in reality. This is the the issue of their age you know like there is no bigger issue than climate change for Mm -hmm. people of that age because the reality is by the time their kids are in their 20s and 30s the current projections are not pretty Mm -hmm. so um 
so that I think it makes sense for me that the environmental mm -hmm. ones are the ones that they grasp hold mm -hmm. of really quickly because yeah. because actually they go no this really affects me if yeah. you're seventy five then it's there's tangible. a whole lot less motivation right. I mean that right. it's very selfish to put it like that but I think that's kind of how that functions mm. right oh sorry Glenn no 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 I'll let you finish on you go <laughs> <laughs> you said that begrudgingly no no no, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm done eh, back uh, again yeah. <laughs> no but it's just uh, there's You've almost like brought us back full circle though, because um, you started the conversation by saying about how we're distracted by being over informed, like social media and stuff. And then you told the story of Joshua watching news round, watching an information program. And that's mm. actually because I think we we like our generation are so much more activistic because we are we can see these things happen we can see the million Muslims locked up in China we can see like ice caps melting in a way that 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago you wouldn't have seen that like in real time Alright, we're going to spin off that question we've uh, veered from how uh, what was the biggest challenge in being a young Christian to <laughs> politics, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's a challenge because politics is the new right. Is, and, is and, and I'm, I'm I'm actually really interested that we haven't touched on any politics, and for that I'm actually quite grateful because I'd get in trouble probably. So we'll move on. Uh, we'll move on. What? Well, let's do this first. You guys are all taking a year out of your lives to do a training program. Kind of. Kind of, kind of not. Kind of and kind of not. Well, well, maybe you could explain to us the kind of and kind of not. You know, yeah. like, why are you doing what you're doing and what do you want yeah. to get out of it? Oof. Sam? Uh, why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, what are you doing? Because I, I suspect most people doing? haven't got the first clue. So, uh, I'm based in Aberdeen at the moment and working part-time as a new title, Youth Development Coordinator. Ooh. Basically, a youth worker, youth right. pastor. Um, so doing that part time, um, and then I'm also given about a day and a half to mm -hmm. Baptist Union, part of the team of developing young leaders in the Baptist Union. Um, so why am I doing it? Um, I'm doing it because I'm passionate about seeing momentum in our generation within the church created. I think there has been a quite a significant gap. Um, from the generations before us and I think for the church to really move forward we need to engage with young people now from the age of 14 as young as that you know yeah. or tw even 12 you know yeah. um, in order to see the church still going in 20 30 years you know what I mean and I think there's a new way of doing church we talked about it at the start about what does community really look like and what does real connection really look like? Um, and I think our generation will play a role in bringing that change of evolving the church a little bit, you know, mm. so... Right. Yeah. That sounds exciting. Dan, what about you? Uh, so this year I am a trainee at Hillview Community Church in Aberdeen. Um, so I just finished uh, doing a theology degree at Aberdeen um, and did this year really for kind of two main reasons. Um, the first is as a year of service. And so um, kind of being a young person without like a family or a career or that sort of thing, um, I don't have anything to kind of tie me down that would stop me from serving the church in lots of different ways. Um, uh, and so 
at the moment I'm able to be involved in many more ministries than you know when I start a career or any of that sort of stuff. Um, but also this year is uh, hopefully in training to serve the church for the rest of my life, um, like in the future. Um, and so doing a theology degree, like, you know, lots of thinking about stuff, lots of writing about stuff, um, but not enough, like, doing stuff. Um, and so hopefully this year we'll be able to put in things I've learned previous and things I'll learn in this year um, into practice um, to become a better servant of the church, I guess, for as long as I can. Great. Um, I love Sam. Two point oh. I love Sam. <laughs> no, don't say that, Sam. <laughs> um, so, I part of the week lead something called Tribe, which is a student prayer movement ministry thing that I'm, me and a friend started about a year and a bit ago. Um, and so I spend most of the week doing that and working in a cafe one day a week. And then the other part of the week, I work with um, beautiful Sam. Ugly Sam uh, and no, I lift uh, it off you in Jesus' no, name. Come on, he's the trendy one. Like, he, is very, he is very trendy. I'm saying he was soul survivor gear on. Like he's he's the trendy one. <laughs> very trendy. Thank you. I receive. <laughs> and uh, well, yeah, what the Sam and Ali and the younger side of things, young leader development stuff. And the reason I I do that and all the other stuff is because I'm just really passionate about seeing. Um, people fully encounter Jesus and people coming into uh, into the, f- the fullness that God has for them um, so for some people that is becoming a leader in a sphere of society for some people that's been a really faithful checkout assistant for a season for other people it's it, it's X, Y and Z but for me it's a thing of intimacy actually leading people into intimacy with God and then from that spilling out into actually kingdom expansion through them and through their life and in their life. And what do you hope to get out of this year? Um, to be more like Ali Lang. <laughs> <laughs> so, follow, follow Ali as he follows Jesus or something like yeah, that, right? Yeah. Don't. Well, I would say don't I follow me. What. I think there's some areas in my life I'm very happy you'd follow. Yes. And I'll tell you, because I'm quite an open book, but I'm not going to do it in a podcast. <laughs> I'll tell you the other areas that you shouldn't follow me in. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Listen, uh, to come back to what uh, Sam, number one, was saying, <laughs> or, 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 yeah, from now on, Trendy Sam. Trendy uh, Sam. Is, uh, <laughs> here. So Trendy Sam with his Sprite uh, is sitting here telling us that Pure. we're going to have, um, we're gonna, that the church can be different, that there's a different vision for church that's possible, hmm. uh, that we can look at different things. So I guess that brings me to what might be my last question, which is, uh, as young people in the existing structures of church, what are the biggest? What's the biggest challenge you come across? A fear of failure. Oh, oh say some more about that. <laughs> so, I you're think afraid of failure. Wider church cultures afraid of failure. Okay. I, I mean, I say failure. I'm not entirely sure if I mean that. No, I think it's more like a fear of failure, fear of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, and there's 
a whole host of things at play at that. I think can, I say, can I put it a different way? That aye, actually sure. people, you, you feel like there's a need to abide by the way things have always been done, abide yes. by the rules, yes. in inverted commas. Yes, and I think part of that is the like institutionalised church of, you know, people have got money riding on church working and buildings needing to be prepared and, and, and people's jobs. Yep. And actually giving younger people and people who are on the margins with creative ideas that, that that might not work, that might not deliver a return on your on your buck, like that, that's that that's not great when maybe a lot of predominant church culture priorities are around property, people, and money, when actually it should be around actually what's God calling us into, and developing of disciples. So if I could put all that you've said into one sentence, would yeah. this be fair? Uh, that you think it's tough to be a young person because churches are averse to risk? Why say it in 50 words when you can say it in five? Aye, exactly, Glenn. That's, <laughs> right, that's really good. That's really helpful. Yeah. Because it, just like Dan was saying, in your sense of why you're doing this year, one of the things was essentially that I don't have that many ties. I'm young. I can take a risk and do this. And you know what? If a year with Martin's really that bad, it's only a year. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a month. It's really a challenge. <laughs> but that's the, that's the, you know, there is that sense of young people wanting to take significant risks because yeah. why not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those of us that are perhaps a little older, having a bit more skin in the game or... Yeah. A vested interest in mm. perpetuating what already exists. Mm. Mm -hmm. okay, that's really good, really good. So if you're listening to this and you get young people, make sure you create space for risk mm. for them. And I, th I think on that, that what you just said, creating space, and I was actually about to say that. Okay. Um, in the church, I think for young people, it's difficult for young folk to really find a space to explore where they could fit okay. and given opportunities to try things. So you know, so you mean we should let you do easy worship on a Sunday morning? Something like that, or even more radical, get them to preach. Oh, or, wow. You know, I, no, I, th I do yeah, think, no, it, I think it's based on that whole risk thing. You know, are we willing to lay down maybe our agenda as a church and to actually give opportunities for young people to find their place and, and make failures and, you know, and achieve things as well and do good things you know and find their place I think we need to create space where young folk can find their place and I, I don't see that as maybe as much so what I wanted to say was also fairly similar to that in that um, I remember when I was a young person and I still hear young people hear it is thinking about them only as church of the future yeah. rather than they are part yeah. of the church now yeah. Um, yeah. and so exactly like giving opportunities for them to do stuff you know, we're not waiting for them to become the master of something to let them mm. do it. Mm -hmm. uh, but we want to invest in them as the people mm. they are right now as much as possible. Totally. Um, like one of the things I've um, gained so much just in this month so far is that <coughs> I feel like I'm getting into to spaces that I'm surprised I can have this amount of like responsibility or freedom or license to just do something. Um, so church has let me preach and in a lot of churches, a 22-year-old preaching for the first time sounds crazy, but I know that it's been hugely like beneficiary, beneficial to me. So I'm doing a bit of an alley. <laughs> but in terms of, for, for me, it's been really beneficial, and I felt very valued that the church would want to invest in me 
and love me for who I am right now. And so we need to make space. You, you, you're right. Um, it, would it be fair? So I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm the old guy at the table here. I think I'm even just, older than Alex. Just, uh, <laughs> uh, so, so if and I know, I know that the audience here will be, a lot of them will be about my age, and I know that they're going to be sitting there saying, I, "But these folk don't want to listen. They don't want to learn. Mm. You know, they're not interested in being taught or given." Like lower positions and have to work up to it. Hmm. Is that fair? Do you want it all handed to you on a plate? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. I think it's the whole thing of getting what you want now. I think yeah. we maybe our our generation want fast tracked mm. to the place where we want to be rather than going through the character stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's important that mm-hmm. you have the foundations of your character rather than. Mm finding yourself in a very influential mm. place and not having the character yeah. to sustain you for yeah. that. And I, th- I yeah. guess, yeah, that's that's kind of culture for us as well. Mm. We get things now and we want to yeah. do, we want to have the career now yeah. and the lots of money now. Yeah. And the, but yeah, I think the process is maybe something we yeah. need to figure out, Yeah, you know. But on, on the other hand, there's a hunger from most people I know my age and younger to be developed and to be invested in by people who are 40, 50, 60, who want to learn from people's experiences and hear people's stories. And mm. I think that qualifies the other side of being like, give me everything now. Mm. And actually there's that hunger for that intergenerational relationship yeah. that can also lack in churches. Great. Mm-hmm. I think the, the multi-generational thing is key, I think, for developing young people in the churches having every generation involved in their journey and their process, mm. if, if they are going to step into an, a, a place of influence, I think that's important to have the, the older ones alongside you and you know, cheering you on and giving you advice. And mm. But yeah, you do have to be in a place to receive that as yeah. well. You know? yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's brilliant. So there's challenges all around here. So the challenge to those of us in church leadership is to make space, mm-hmm. is to take risks mm-hmm. with with younger people and to allow them to take risks mm. uh, and see what happens. Uh, the challenge, I guess, to you guys and to your generation is to to be willing to have that character formation period mm. and to realise that mm. in some ways you, you earn the right to <clears throat> take the risks in some ways. It mm. sounds to me like that's yeah. a... That's a, a, a significant thing. But So let me just finish with this. Um, so you talked about wanting to take risks and I guess asking some questions about whether our inherited church models, and we haven't had time to get into this, but I, I hear an undertone of whether our inherited church models are going to be the ones that we can carry on into, you know, the 2100s, you know, so, you know, we're thinking 80 years from now. Um if we said to you guys, do you want to go plant a church thing? Would you do it? <laughs> Depends who was asking. <laughs> uh, if I knew them well, if they knew me, well, hopefully better than I know them, and they, and I trusted them a lot, yeah. If it was just like a, we want this church planted somewhere, here's a young person, no. Oh, that's helpful. Good. That's a pretty good answer. But what, what, what if I'm saying to you, this stuff that you're talking about that's bubbling up, like, doesn't need to be the same? Just go do it. I, I would certainly do it, but I would do it with the right support in place mm. for it. 
for it to be sustainable and for there to be accountability and a larger body to be connected to. Mm. I would certainly plant a church, but I would never do it on my own. Mm. I would always do it in team and with the right support in place. Yeah. <laughs> I know that might sound safe, but I think that's right. I don't think it's so safe. I think it's I think that's, your generation. I think that's imp- important to have that. An untrendy Sam. Like you, Sam. <laughs> what about you? With soul written across his I'm chest. I'm wearing a few more trainers. Um, I, this is probably the over-spiritual answer. I'd only do it when I felt God was asking me to do it. And I think to some extent that's been half, our, half the trouble of, of church, that we've gone ahead and done stuff that might be God's will for us, but maybe not God's time for us. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's, it, like I look at big like American pastors that have crumbled, it's maybe because they've stepped out of God's timing. Sure. So I might plant a church in five years, but I'll do it whenever I get the green light. Mm-hmm. Which is right. And at the same time, I want to tell you, we've been told to go. So Aye. don't sit around waiting too long, because otherwise you'll find yourself 43 years old and running a podcast rather than planting <laughs> churches. So. Well, exactly. yeah, for sure. But, but, but here's the thing. So, so we're told just... In, in the New Testament, we're told, you know, they, they, they got the, the leaders of the church got together and set aside folk for a mission. And actually, as churches... And I've thrown this out to the churches that are listening. When was the last time? And maybe it would be great if it even got to be an annual thing that you said, right, Lord, who within our current church are you wanting us to send mm. out and support? Mm. And, and I don't mean by that, mm. you know, overseas. It might be that. But yeah. I mean, actually, as an expression yeah. of church here. Yeah. As churches, we do not have a mentality where we give away and bless yeah. and with yeah. blessing and support and everything that goes with it. Uh-huh. But how, what would it look like if every September, instead of just our vision Sundays that we all do, and, we're, and they're important, and I'm not having a critical, but we also said, right, Lord, is there anyone we're sending out here? Anything that we're sending into to a new community or a new physical area or a new demographic group or interest group to plant a church and how can we support and resource them? I mean, d- sometimes we don't hear God because we don't ask him the question. And with that, we're going to finish. Uh, thank you, Ali. Thank you, untrendy Sam. Thank you, trendy <laughs> Sam. And thank you, just perfectly ordinary Dan. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, ordinary Dan. Exceptional. It's worse than untrendy. <laughs> <laughs> That is true. Backhanded compliment. It has been uh, a delight. Thank you all very much uh, for your time. I'm sure it came across in the recording, but we had a lot of fun recording that particular episode. And it was great to hear from some of the young folks involved in our churches about what the missional challenges and missional opportunities are uh, with that generation. If you've got time to give us a 20-second review on iTunes, that would be great. Make sure you're subscribed. Season 3 is going to begin with some international voices from around the world sharing their experiences of doing church in different ways and in different places in ways that will hopefully help us understand better our own missional context and opportunity. So make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss any of those when they come out uh, later this year and into uh, the beginning of 2020. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'm Glenn Innes. This was the Midcast. We are out. You've been listening to the Midcast, a presentation of the Mission Initiative Group of the Baptist Union of Scotland. <laughs>